Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day, for your grace, your provision, your divine protection, that you tuck each one into the safety of the palm of your hand, that we'd feel your peace and sense your presence and walk in your victory. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, you purchased our salvation, and not only that, but you made us more than conquerors, Lord God. You gave us power over all the, all the power of the enemy, power to bind and loose, and power, the greatest power of all is to love and forgive even to love our enemies. So I pray, Father, that you would encourage us this day with this time as we look into your word. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us an example, a demonstration of your love, your power, your uh, ability to deliver us, Lord God. And I thank you that you would guide and direct our conversation, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that we would not be deceived by the appearance of things, but that we would look into the, the, the mysteries and that you, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will show us those truths. I thank you for the divine protection, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. So guide our conversation now that all of us rightly divide your holy word of truth and be encouraged in this time. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as our faithful witness, our wonderful counselor, and our soon-and-coming king. Amen. Amen. Hey. Well, we're continue- welcome to Rescue Radio. Well, yes, I'm. I'm. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad we're and, all back. I'm glad you're all uh, <laughs> listening here today. Oh yeah, we're- we missed a couple of weeks. Sorry about that. I hope you guys aren't giving up on us. But if we did miss, you can always catch us on about a hundred other shows that we've done that you of, haven't heard a yet. Lot probably of archives, and and if yeah. you want to listen to some of those over again, I think it it would be good too. But yeah. today we're continuing on in the Book of Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark chapter six. We're talking about in the last part of chapter five, we read of Jesus had just you know fed the multitudes of people, five thousand men besides women and children. So it could have been twenty thousand yeah. people. That's amazing. That were saved, uh, saved, <laughs> that were served, saved from food and hunger that day. Saved <laughs> yeah, from saved hunger from that day. from hunger by um, a miracle. The miracle uh, of of five loaves and two fish, and they had twelve baskets uh, full. When they were done, when they were all done, so they had more when way more when they were done oh. than when they had started after probably twenty thousand people. Sometimes yeah, we yeah. think of it as the mm-hmm. five thousand, five thousand men. It says, well, there were if there were women and children along there, and there could, were, <laughs> and there were, you can be sure of it, um, twenty thousand people. So, um, you know, uh, this is this is just amazing. So sometimes we think we do not have enough. Well, before we think about that, and we don't have enough, and maybe this is the answer to not enough and never enough, is a miracle. And miracles are right. just beyond our mind's comprehension. Your mind, I'm uh, mine anyway, cannot wrap itself around the concept of a miracle because a miracle doesn't pay uh, attention to the rules. A miracle doesn't go by reason or logic or, you know, numbers or counting things up or, you know, I have this much and not enough. Miracles work in the in the supernatural. They work in the another dimension. And because we're not used to working and living in that dimension, miracles, you know, after you read the story a million times or maybe four times or whatever it is, you kind of think, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that story. Yeah, yeah no big deal. No big deal. Um, if that would have happened to you, I think you would have never forgot it. But well, it'd, it'd be all over the internet. It would be viral. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. maybe it'd be one of those things we want to keep it'd probably, hidden. Probably, probably Google would want to squash it. Yeah, but, but okay, stay stay politically correct here. Well, no, just kidding. No, no. But but so Jesus in those days, the word did travel fast, and they didn't have any kind of news, fake news, other uh, any kind. But they just had word of mouth and their testimony. But again, miracles. I think for us in this day. Um, you know, it said the Jesus or God confirmed the word, the gospel, as they were preaching in the book of Mark and various places, the book of Acts, confirmed the word with signs and wonders and miracles. And I think this is why well, I don't think I know that miracles are a sign and demonstration of the authority of Jesus Christ. And this was a big uh, watershed turning point to show the authority of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to see a couple more mirac- miraculous, marvelous things that he did to prove, again, that he is who he says he is, that he is God. Well, if you want to believe it. Oh, this is what Jesus is establishing 
the fact that he is the Son of God. I mean, he, there's always this questions uh, about his identity. Who are you? Who are you? What are you doing? Are you Beelzebub? Are you, mm-hmm. yeah. are you Born Elijah? Yeah. Are you that prophet? Mm-hmm. Are you John the Baptist raised from the who dead? Who are you? Tell us, yeah. Who, who are you? And the, the, the debate goes on today. Well, that was the big issue. The whole That was the bottom line of the whole thing with Jesus here on earth was, who are you? Are you really who you say you are? Um, and then the people who really believed followed him, and those who didn't believe killed him. And so it's like, that is the who is he, who is he who and, and it's the identity of Jesus Christ that persuades us to follow him in believing he is he is who he says he is and he it, what's going to happen is going to happen according to his word, um, even though at this point we're really mesmerized and um, submerged in a, a, a hotbed of lies. And right, because, you know, he is the creator. Everything was made through him. We read in Colossians mm-hmm. that everything was made through Jesus Christ. Okay? So therefore, bread and the amount of bread and water, as we'll see there, and storms, all kinds of things th- that he made are, are his, uh, they submit to him. Right. The creator has authority over, over his creation. creation right. And he can um, override natural law. Mm-hmm. With a higher law, a spiritual law, mm-hmm. and so, and he so, also said, including us in this power, he said, "Greater works than these, so you do, because they go to my Father." For me, that's always been a very intriguing and a, kind of the uh, the top of the list goal it, it, to see to do what Jesus did and greater works than these, because he said we could, and that that includes, of course, you know, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, preaching the gospel, casting out demons, but. In some cases, as need be, it might be multiplying bread or food, and it might be walking in the water. Well, there's modern-day stories of this where people have you've had to serve people, mm-hmm. and they just kind of keep pulling it out and pulling it out. And, and the kettle it, doesn't run dry. And it doesn't run dry. So anyway, uh, now another thing. Jesus, uh, it says uh, in verse 45, the first word, immediately, mm-hmm. okay, Immediately, and if you have a King James, it would, I think it would say probably straightway, which means oh, immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And he right made away. his disciples get into a boat. Now, and um, so he was directing to, them. He was giving them direction him yeah. to the other side to well, Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. It's interesting coming down off of a spiritual high like this with the multitudes being fed. He, the next step is okay. Where do we go from here? I mean, it's just down the mountain. It's not. We're on the mountaintop now. We got to go down. But so the next step immediately, he directed them. He said, "Get into the boat. We're we're just you know we we're going to keep moving here." No, it's interesting when at the beginning of the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand, yeah, the disciples said, "It's getting late. People are hungry. They don't have anything to eat. Send them away." Right, so, so it's already so late. He says, so send to the way. So now uh, says, it's no. really he late says, now. Do you not go away. He says, "You take care of them." Yeah. Well, bring what you have to me, and I'll multiply it. And now, the time was right to send them away after they were filled, and after, after they were satisfied, after they were built. Okay, so okay, Jesus, okay, let's go. We thought and we were going to get a rest now. here. Yeah, and uh, right a vacation. Uh, right, right, and this, this vacation changed. never really happened <laughs> no, for no, the disciples. Not a bit, but. He had God had more uh, Jesus. So had more they got into a boat to, to go so. to the other side uh, to Bethsaida, and while he was sending them away, but then he went away after he sent them away. He departed to the mountain to pray. So and, and we know it's evening now. When evening came, so this was probably maybe maybe four or five o'clock in the afternoon, and they're in the boat, and it, he's out was, praying. Yeah, it was it was late. It was getting late evening in the was day coming, yeah. mm-hmm. before they ate. Yeah, they said the hour, the disciples said the hour is late. Apostles said the hour is late, so send them away and let's, you know. Oh, they miss breakfast and they miss lunch and that's late if you're hungry. But they they got taken care of. But it's interesting, the way Jesus dealt with success, he did not, if we call it success, I I would say Mm -hmm. it's, Uh we could define it as successful Mm -hmm. to feed a multitude with five or two fishes. And and it's exciting for the people exciting for the uh, apostles. But Jesus didn't sit back and, you know, just relish this success. He, yeah. He, yeah. Jesus dealt Let's with success. Let's take a break here, guys. Let's he take... dealt with success by moving on yeah, to the next adventure. All right? Yeah, and I think that's really a good lesson for us, too. You know, don't, 
because when you sit down, like don't camp I'm around your when, victories. When David didn't go to war, that's when he fell from Bathsheba. If he would have went to war, as he was usually would do, right. he would have never been in that place. So I think sometimes I'm not saying we can't ever rest or sit back and rejoice. But there is a pace. There is a pace that the Holy Spirit puts us on, kind of a, and it's a pretty steady pace, and we keep going. And so the next job. And there's a there's a rest for us now. There yeah. is a rest, and that doesn't mean lazy. Doesn't mean sleepiness. Doesn't mean dullness. It means that there is a peace within us that even in the midst of the most intense mm-hmm. uh, ministry or mm-hmm. things that the attacks of the enemy. Or whatever you know, life brings. There's a rest to the believer. Not even lo- life, it says in Romans eight, is going to be able to separate us from the love of God. Yeah, life and all the yeah, the apper- But in the in the middle all that of that appertains to yeah. our life here on earth. Absolutely, and in the middle of that rest, there's always an assignment. Even in the rest, there's an assignment, a purpose, an appointment. He's got an appointment here with the guys uh, to get to the other side of the of the, of the lake. He evidently had you know, some pre-understanding of what that would look like. But I'm really marveling that he went away to pray. Um, he was like taking the moment. I, I, I Sometimes we feel so rushed, especially, you know, we've got a million things to do, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's hard to stop and take time to acknowledge God mm-hmm. at the beginning of the day and uh, take a moment, you know, praise him, thank him, ask him for guidance, um, and even even stop, S-T-O-P, and uh, sit down, kneel down, you know, whatever you do, to just be quiet mm-hmm. for a minute because we're so, we are much more wired to do our agenda than we realize. We're much more pressured to, to get the pressure off. I think we're pressured to get the pressure off. The new part of the day, all the day's jobs are waiting for us. The, and we're, we're pressured to run and take matters into our own hands when really, he, this is the end of the day, I realize that, but it, it's, he, it's time to be quiet. It's, it's really people, I'm not, not kidding you. It is time to, st- to change some of our priorities and, and get the priorities straight because it's about God first and his will and his direction and his power to do the, his will. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not about my will because when I try to do my stuff, uh, my stuff doesn't go very well if it's not his stuff and it's frustrating and it's not satisfying anyway. So it's better to just relax, rest, be, abide, and spend a time with the Father, even if it's just acknowledge I can't do this, I need help, you know, um, or praise him or thank him, whatever it is, just connect with the Father. Mm-hmm. Another thing, too, here, there's, uh, you know, there's a parallel passage uh, to this verse mm-hmm. in the book of John. Mm-hmm. And also in, the, in John chapter 6 and in Matthew 14. Um, John chapter 6, verse 45 says, the reason he sent, part of the reason he sent them away, uh, yeah. and sent the, the multitudes away, it says, uh, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king, that's when he sent them away. Yeah. So they're thinking Scattering this, guy, this guy would make a really good king mm-hmm. because he can feed us. He can do miracles. He can feed us. You know, he, he can give us what we need. And, and a lot of the times that's what we're looking for and people are looking for today, looking for the government to provide for, let, let government be God to us. And if government isn't God to us, then we just get all bent out of shape over it. But... He says, "Oh, yeah, it's it's actually John six fifteen. I think six fifteen. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, John six mm-hmm. fifteen. Yeah. So they were about to come and make him a king. Well, see, this is taken by force, force him to be their king. Um, and so he broke up this idea by sending the multitude away. Uh, and he wanted to be by himself. He wasn't interested in becoming elected or nominated. But because what would happen? This, you know, being pushed to the front of the line here to be their king." would have been death by another means, and it wouldn't have been the right death for him to, to well, die. Well, I believe that that was perhaps Satan, tempta- Satan stirring mm-hmm. up the people because Jesus said, my kingdom is not, because, a, is not of this yeah, world. Yeah, because he knew that if Jesus put, took the bait. Now, this could have been a temptation because Satan knew that if Jesus would took the bait to let the people promote him to be king, Satan also knew that the Romans would just annihilate the whole oh, the whole nation put the kibosh on it and and Absolutely. so so jesus would buy, would die get out of the way by another means other than this the sacrificial death on the cross which is the death jesus had to die so i think satan was trying to abort or ambush or um 
you know, this mission of Jesus by getting him to take some, jump into some false pride or some, uh, I can do this another way kind of thing. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king yeah. of kings. He is the Lord of yeah. lords. And he knew that. But, but he knew that, And but this was not the type of promotion. This was not the way. This <laughs> was, was not this the plan. This was not the way. It mm-hmm. was through the cross, mm-hmm. through the shedding of his blood, through the resurrection, through him overcoming the powers of darkness mm-hmm. that brought him into that place. Yeah. So of, again, of he was tempted. Rulership. Again, he's tempted. You know, the first times in this, we see the temptations of Satan, the first three temptations in the wilderness. But I believe Jesus was tempted all the way along. And think about it for ourselves, for your, for yourself, in, in a moment of victory, in a moment of, I can do this, yay. You know, people are, you can get into that place of vanity. You can get into that place of, of um, doing it in your own strength and, and believing a lie, believing that it's actually God's will for you to take, the, take action, you know, whatever, seize the day, seize the momentum. Uh, and this can become a great a, a destruction to your own personal life. So Jesus walked on, went back to the Father, says, what's next? Right, and, and he's, he's sending the disciples on ahead of him, okay? He's sending them. They're not just going on their own thing. Well, let's go over here. No, he's sending them. And and there's a question I want to ask to you that are listening today. What where is God sending you? Yeah. God's sending you to another place, another side. Um where where is it? I mean, make sure you're you're hearing the voice of the Lord and then go and step out. And it might seem crazy. You might need not know what the end is going to be or what you're going to go there or what you're going to do there or where you're even going to go exactly. But be obedient to the voice of God. Make sure mm-hmm. it's not just um, human well, beings that are saying, oh, you ought to do this or you ought to do Everybody's mm-hmm, got, mm-hmm. Opinions. there's all these opinions flying at you, but you, you, know, you quiet your heart with the word of God and listen to the spirit of God mm-hmm. and then take those steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. And then you and you're going to be okay. Well, it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And here we have Jesus directing, exp- expressly directing the disciples on what to do. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, like you said, make sure you're hearing the voice of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? How do you know that you're hearing the voice of the Lord? The the bottom line is to trust God that He is guiding you. You're, you're it's very simple, actually. It is I will want to, I will to do the will of God. I want to do the will of God. I open my mouth and say that to him. God, thy will be done, O God, on earth and through me. God, I'm voting with you. Now it's up to you to keep me from being, being deceived because I cannot do that for myself because I'm, I'm no match for the devil in his wily ways. So, it, it, so and, and because it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, I can go back to the word and say, God, you promised to keep me in all my ways to lead us, the Holy Spirit sent to lead us into all truth and triumph. And so I really believe that many times we, we're we not comfortable with walking in the Spirit. We have to have some other confirmation. We have to have some other fleece. We have to have some other, you know, stupid, you know, th- you know th- coincidental alignment of stars or something to be able to be confident that it's the will of God. And too many of us are going on all that spooky, superstitious stuff to find out if it's the will of God or not, when in fact, the will of God is in your heart. If you will to do his will, you abide in him. You're not wasting your life, your time. You're, you're following him in the simple things, the, the basic things. He will guide you. And you're, you're deciding that I want to do your will, God. Now, God is up to It's up to him to direct you. You're his servant. You know, in some ways, we must realize that we're already dead. And a dead man doesn't do his own thing. And so when we're dead, we walk in the Spirit uh, because that's our new life. We're born again. We're, we're born of the Spirit. And so it's not as hard as you might think. Well, here's what Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Amen. So you're kind of looking to him constantly That's for the truth. guidance. And I know you can receive guidance from uh, godly people, godly counselors, well, but a lot of times we tend to look at the, for to them more than we look to the word of mm-hmm, God and mm-hmm. to the to the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. You know, even the most well-intentioned godly person can lead you astray. Well, and not only that, but it's Cause like Cuz they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. And there's times in my life where I've had godly people counsel me in a certain direction, but 
the, and it was the, wrong. It was wrong. Yeah. And they they were they were godly people. They weren't trying to deceive me, uh, anything. But from what they knew, their reasoning, their reasoning, mm-hmm. it seemed it like this was like, a good mm-hmm. thing. But the issue was, I happened to have more information than they did. Well, I happened to have the witness in my heart. Yes, there you go. That this is God. Cause he made it so clear to me. And then there was a knowing. This is the direction I need to go. And and then they then a lot of times mm-hmm. there's all oftentimes when God is sending you in a certain direction, he he will have uh someone try to the enemy si- will have side to sidetrack someone. You. God won't, but the devil will definitely there, try to siphon you some, off. Oh, yeah. you know, you really shouldn't do that or oh that doesn't make any sense or mm-hmm. you can't afford it and what about your safety? What about your health? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there, there can be any number of of things that will come to, to, to once you've heard from God to mm-hmm. um, counteract what the Lord has spoken to you. Well, and another thing with doing the will of God is that we always think we have to be doing something, going somewhere, taking some action somehow, uh, but it's not always the case. Sometimes doing the will of God is right where you are abiding, waiting, resting, going through a major battle of just abiding and resting and being in the midst of a crisis everywhere and all around you. Uh, it's the, the whole point is to trust in the Lord and not to panic, not to lean to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him. So we see Jesus has passed his test. He's not going to let the multitudes make him a king. The disciples are in the boat. It's evening and it's getting dark, according to John. And Jesus is uh, on the mountain praying. Yeah. So we have a, a perfect storm brewing here. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious about, I'm thinking, Lord, what were you praying about right then? Uh, you know. Well, the next move, I would imagine. Probably the next move or praying for the people that had just been fed. Um, you know, it's it's all kind of speculation. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he was just, uh, really personally, I think he was getting refreshed. I think he, would, he had just yeah. a lot of power uh, had gone out of him. And he was just re, you know, focusing his life, and we need to do that sometimes too, because you can get so fizzy, fast and busy, and helter skelter scattered, and and you just need to take a breath and and refocus a little bit. So, but it's getting dark. It's here. It's um, uh, yeah, the boat the- is on the sea. It was dark now, dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. John said, and the sea arose because of a great wind, and it was was blowing. Um, well, yeah, and and the boat was in the middle of the sea. Right, it was like and, and the sea. If you're crossing mm-hmm. from where they were over to Bethsaida, mm-hmm. it's about probably eight miles. Okay, so they're like they're probably in the middle because he says they were rowing three or four th- miles. They're three or four miles right in the middle out in the right in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle, we've got the wind blowing. These are fishermen. The boats are boats. And you know you're caught when you're when you're in a storm like that, and you've got a uh, you've got a paddle boat or a, uh, a a boat with oars instead of a motor rowboat yeah. rowboat. There you go. You're not going to be um, able to outrun much of a storm, and so it's kind of like you're caught in the middle of it. So they were caught. Well, yeah, and these are you know a good share. Of these are experienced fishermen, Peter. And yeah. Peter and James and John, of course, they were, you know, definitely fishermen, and. Uh, you know, they they probably gone through a lot of storms, but this is this was one. Well, this was, is the one where Jesus wasn't with them in the boat. There's been other storms. There were other storms when he was actually with them in the boat. At least one mm-hmm. we know of. Yep. But this one he wasn't, and so I'm sure they were like, I don't know what they were doing. Probably yelling at each other. You know how you get a little yelling and intense when things are tough and tight and up. You know, in, in, intense. And so I'm sure they were kind of trying to do whatever they could do to outsmart the wind. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times. In our lives, there's we're like right in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. That can be some one of the toughest places. Um, someone said because we think we're alone. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, halfway is hard many times. Yeah, and you think of you know there's a story Marjorie remember about Nehemiah when he was uh, had the assignment there in the Old Testament of rebuilding the walls, mm-hmm. and uh, they were like halfway done. And they were getting tired. Oh, they were getting frustrated. Halfway Their enemies <laughs> were threatening. Halfway. It's like you're halfway done with uh, building your house. Ugh. You're kind of or remodeling or your Or writing house. a book. Or, or or Yeah, halfway it's like, okay, I put out all this energy. All this money, all this I time. I'm tired already. Time, and I'm tired. And I've got a lot more to go. 
to get this done. You need to get mm-hmm. recharged. That's where so, I think you begin to rely on the Lord. I think we can probably get halfway through the project in some of our own strength, if there is such a thing. And then we must also begin to rely upon the Lord. And and so that, I think, was the the, the lesson for the disciples. I mean, Jesus was resting with the Father, and it says back in Mark then, um, he saw them, then he saw them straining. He was alone on the land. They were in the middle of the lake. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. No, no, listen, this is a lot of times in our lives, there's there's Strain. straining. A lot of times you're you're straining. Uh, the people listening here are Anxious. straining. It's, it's mm-hmm. stressful. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting what you're doing, it's, what you're dealing with with your family. Well, and the devil comes job. right in those moments yeah. of strain. Yeah. Weakness, um, exhaustion, like you said, to and, the, and the wind, the wind of this world is always against a believer. And I think the wind also blows within our hearts and our minds because the devil wants when you're down like that or you're exhausted, like he begins to surplant. He begins to plant other ideas into your minds, into your hearts. Oh, I'm alone. Jesus abandoned me. Um, you know, Jesus isn't here. Yeah, right, right, right. Where right. is he? Yeah, wh- wh- yeah, and we're in the middle. So, and so he's 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 sent us in this direction. Yeah, but yet, he did. But yet now we're just like feel like we're abandoned, uh, alienated. Yeah, it's like I'm what's alone. what's all going on here? Yeah, and how is this any good? You know, how is this making any good to come of this? And it's yeah, and 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 then we we learn later on here. Uh, he saw them straining at rowing. Wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night. This is between 3 and 6 a.m. So they were at this for a while. Because if they yeah. le- they got in that boat, let's just say at 8. Yeah, about the time it was getting dark. 8, and so now it's 3 in the morning. So, so they'd gotten about 3 or 4 miles. 7 hours they'd been it, wait, no, So if you figure they've been rowing. Uh, if say if they started at eight, say the storm started at midnight, they're still rolling for three hours. Is that right? Right. No, no. This the well, fourth watch. When 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 Jesus came to him, as we find out here, it was in the fourth watch of the night, which is between three and six a.m. So right. they've been out there. Let's say if they did, well, four start out at eight seven, o'clock yeah. in the evening. If it, it to three a.m., that's seven hours. Yeah. So they gone like three or four miles in seven hours. <laughs> yeah. In the dark. Going the wrong direction. Going <laughs> no, around in circles. They were going the right direction. But everything was against them. I mean How do you know they were going the right direction? They should have been there by now. Well, th- he sent them to if, it, if they could row an hour a mile that. an hour, they should have been there by three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And usually I don't think fishermen start out at that time of the day at 8 o'clock at night. They usually yeah. went out in the morning. Unless, well, sometimes unless they fished they all were, night. That's yeah. true. Unless they were doing some fishing but, no. partway uh, <laughs> there on, on the way know. there. I, I, I don't it. know. But, I mean, you think of, they were out there a mm. long time. A long time. Alone. Yeah. That's a long, I mean, that you know, in it's always dark. like this. In the dark. Yeah, with a bad wind blowing. I mean, how many times we're in a test, we're in the middle of the test, We've been there a long time already. We're already mad, angry, crabby, tired, scared, panicky, um, and and believing we've missed it. God's not with us. We're alone in this thing. Always that's the bottom line test. I'm alone. Where's God? Mm-hmm. I'm alone. I blew it. I missed it. I'm guilty. It's my fault, blah, blah, blah. But I'm alone. And some if I'm alone, then that means I've got to do it myself. I've got to come up with an answer, save my own life. And I've been let down. I've been... By Jesus, I've been betrayed in a way. I think Satan is always trying to get us to believe we're alone, abandoned. So we will take matters in our own hands and then get mad when things don't work. Do you realize you're in the test, whatever it is right now, this long waiting test, this never-ending illness, this long waiting for someone to get saved and answer to God to answer prayer? You've been there 20 years already. And and you're just you're you're very strained and thin and angry and upset or mm-hmm. you're dead and give up and you're turned back and go the other way. God is still with you no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're feeling or thinking, because those things have those thoughts and feelings have very little to do with anything except the fact that the the Satan Satan is trying to discourage you and get you to give up and not believe, not believe God is with you. So we see these guys are in a real literal uh, t- test. Their life is on the line here. Well, so and there's fear too. So you've got all this exhaustion, 
And then there's anger too, because anger. this is not right. Where Where's we just Jesus? had that five thousand feet. Just, What's going on we here? We just had this big miracle. Jesus has sent us to the other side, and I don't know if we're going to make it to the other well, side. Well, it's kind of interesting the way it looks right here. Yeah. And and they're giving. There's fear. There's there's fear, and then there's fear gets kicked up a, a few notches in in a couple of minutes here, as we see. Well, okay, so they're striving to get somewhere. They're afraid. Um, and, and where is God? Where is, there's, you know, there's just, we get afraid. We, we t- take matters, in our, we c- cave in, we give up, we get mad. So go ahead. What's next? Well. <laughs> so they're walking. At, they're, they're, here they are. They're straining at rowing. The wind is contrary. Now about the fourth watch of the night, about mm-hmm. between 3 and 6 a.m., he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost or a spirit, it said. They were superstitious. And cried out. Because, they, you know, there was, there was superstitions, too, about, you know, when you're out on the sea, it was because of, you know, spirits and, and storms and stuff Dark like that. Dark things at night. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, things that go bump in the night. Well, they uh, were they were superstitious. I mean, I think they all were. Um, you know, the thing is, like, when you get, like, um, a big high, like they had, then you go into this deep place of demonic testing, the severe assault. I think we, we kind of need to know that that kind of happens. You When you just come through a victory, or right before you're going to have a victory, too, the enemy comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. But the enemy comes in either to knock you out of the victory or after you've gotten the victory to try to snatch it away from you so that you will go back to the place where he's in control through fear. So they were, um, yeah, they were a bit superstitious. Um, they didn't recognize him. It says, verse, first part of verse 50, it, uh, for they all saw him and were troubled. Okay. Because well, wait a minute. He came up to them, was walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, why do you think that's written like that? He was going to pass them. They maybe thought, if it's a ghost... Pass them by? Did they not? What, they didn't recognize it as Jesus. Right, right. They thought um, maybe just a spirit passing them by. Let's see. Okay, then, but in John it says, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and rowing near the boat, and, and drawing near, <laughs> sorry, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. And he said to them, in John, he says, he says, it is I, do not be afraid. And he said, and all of them, when they saw him and they thought it was a ghost, Mark says they first of all thought it was a ghost, then they must have recognized it as Jesus, for they, they were troubled when they thought, well, what is this? And immediately he talked with them. So when he said something to them, they recognized it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he said to them in, in Mark, he says, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. First thing he said, be of good cheer. It's okay. It's okay, guys. It's okay. I'm here. It's okay. It's me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when people fall, when your little child falls down, gets hurt, the first thing you want to do is say, it's okay, honey. It's okay. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. It's okay. Be of good cheer. Don't freak out. It's me. Do not be afraid. Don't go with fear because fear is not of me, and I didn't bring fear with me. So here's the deal that Jesus a couple things here. Jesus is aware of our struggles. Mm-hmm. He's aware of our strains. All the and time. Yeah, every he, day, he every he minute, knows. every hour. And not only does he know, but he comes to us. He's there. But you know what? Can I interrupt you to say? He not only knows that we're there, he, where we are, but he's the one protecting us from keeping the house from falling down on us completely. Mm-hmm. He's protecting us there. He, he's protecting us. He comes to us. And sometimes he comes in unusual, misunderstood, and unexpected ways, mm-hmm. like in this case. Right. I, I they mean, never expect. I, yeah. Yeah. They I mean, y- you know, when's the last time they had seen somebody walking on water? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can do it in Minnesota in the winter time. Yeah. Right, ice, but this is the Sea of Galilee, so mm-hmm. there's no ice uh, around. Um, well, you're right. He came in an unexpected moment when they were. When they, they thought they were dead. An unexpected way. I mean, mm-hmm. who'd ever think that that's 
that, that, that this would happen, that he, that, he would come to them like that. typically, you'd think, well, if it's Jesus, Jesus would do that. Something like that is typical for Jesus. He can do it, he wants to do it, and he will do it. And so many times when we're in the, the crisis and we think we're beyond the deadline, and yeah. it's beyond the deadline of what you set up as the deadline for God to act, and it's beyond that, that deadline, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're past that, and you don't know how you got past that and even lived four seconds beyond what you thought was the end. Here he comes, you know, bringing the gift, bringing the answer, bringing the solution, bringing himself. So be good, be of good cheer. And it says, and, he, and then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind stopped, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Here, you know, Jesus was back to where he was up on the mountain. Um, he saw. Probably saw them. He saw that they were. Uh, what does it say? Um, he saw them straining at rowing. Yeah, that so was he's in John. alone on the land. Back in verse uh, forty-eight, mm-hmm. he saw them. So they had lost sight of Jesus, but he hadn't lost sight of them. And that's that's cool. the deal. So that a lot of times that's what happens in our lives. We lose sight of it. where. Where are you, Lord? Well, I'm going through all this. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus. You know, he He's has lost compassion. He he has not lost sight of you. Yeah. And he he will come to you. He's there. He'll come to you in unusual ways. Sometimes he comes to you sometimes Jesus comes to us in the form of um not uh, of other people. In other words, sometimes he'll send other people to yeah. us, mm-hmm. uh godly people to comfort us or to come with a word or or, or, or a timely the help gift that we needed. Yeah, and I, I believe that uh, in that I've seen that happen too, where I've been even like in a store where uh, where I've, I'm questioning, uh, you know, this product or that product. You know, somebody will come along just out of the blue, and they'll see what I'm looking, at and they say, "Well, not a, not a clerk." They'll just say, "Well, I, I tried this, and this this will work better than this because of this and this and this," and and they'll just take off, mm. and it's like really. You know, are those angels or they're just nosy people? <laughs> uh, but I, there's times I I know uh-huh. that that's how God has guided well, me and at an, times. And another, the, that's right. People can it's come to. This is a simple little yeah. example, but yeah. But but the deepest knowing I think is when we receive the revelation of God's presence in our own heart and understand His love, His compassion for us, His tender. You know, like for example, let's just say you're in a very difficult place. And it doesn't seem like there's any escape routes. You're locked in. You're stuck in a corner. Um, there's no escape routes. There's no hope in sight. And you're trapped in that place. And I'm sure many of you are trapped and stuck in, in, a, in a situation, a circumstance, a life condition. Um, you're just absolutely trapped. And you think, again, going back to that idea, I'm alone. But when, the, when Jesus comes with his revelation of love for you, that he's compassionate, he sees you, he sees the, the strain, he sees the trouble, he sees what the devil's done to you. And he sees how, you know, we don't think we're very important. That's why we don't take our tests. We think it's just a coincidence that I'm being, this bad thing is happening to me. It's just bad, bad luck or fate. No, you're being targeted by the enemy, for sure, because he doesn't want you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to know the love of God. He doesn't want you to walk in the power of God's love. He wants you to be defeated and depressed and anxious and fearful because when you're all of those things, Satan is in control of your life at that moment. And God says we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. So it is the love of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ to you at that moment of your deepest, desperate, darkest hour that is where you know, that's where it really changes you. You're really converted at that place where you're, like, like Peter was crying and weeping because he had d- denied Jesus. It was at that place of recognizing something about the love of God, the word of God, the presence of Jesus Christ that must have turned his heart to not commit suicide like Judas had. Mm-hmm. And so we, that is the revelation. And when you get into that place, if you will just do yourself a favor and instead of murmuring and complaining and speaking all the negative things again over and over yourself, the words over and over, because that just gives the devil another uh, rock to throw at you. Every time you murmur, every time you complain, every time you um, become bitter or every time you, you, you succumb to fear or anxiety and speak it out, you've given the devil another rock to immediately throw back at you or another arrow to shoot at you. If you will take 
that breath and instead of cursing yourself indirectly by giving the devil arrows to shoot at you, if you will instead say, Lord, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Jesus, you know my place. You know what's going on. Help me. Uh, just crying out to Jesus, Lord, give me a revelation of your presence right now, your truth, your direction, your way of escape, because you are the God of escapes. Just be with me right now. You know, lift this weight off me. Lift this burden off me. You said my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is too heavy for me. You begin to just say a couple of those things back to Jesus, and, and then when you can't say anything positive, shut your mouth. Don't give the devil access to your tongue or your words to murmur or complain because that is just, you, you, the reason that's so easy to do to murmur and complain is because somehow it, it relieves the pressure for a minute. It somehow, you know, deals with the injustice for a minute, for a second. It's just like taking a puff on a cigarette. It relieves the anxiety for about five seconds and then it snaps back and catch, catches you, binds you. So, you know, so when we curse, we yell, we swear, we get mad at someone else, we, we blast against the circumstances, we judge someone else, whatever, we find fault in the middle of our own stress. We need to stop and shut our mouth and say, Lord, what's really going on here? What's the real truth? What's really going to help me out here? And it's not, you know, giving place to the devil in any way. He's not. It is, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get yeah, that? Yeah, exactly, too. Because, you know, like here, the disciples were, were very afraid, and we can understand. Who knows what their conversation why. was before all this went down? Right, right. But fear, fear blinds us. Mm hmm. Well, it says Jesus. what the heart is full of the mouth speaks. So if the heart is full of fear, anxiety, and anger, I think anger and bitterness are big time in the heart too a lot of times because of so much um, offense, so much wrong, injustice. Yeah, fear. So people are, are really seething inside with some anger and injustices. And maybe they're bitter because Jesus left them. Uh, but whatever it was, again, for us personally, do not let Satan throw rocks at you using the words out of your own mouth. You know, a lot of times it comes, those words, a little complaining, murmuring, come out of fear, mm. frustration, mm -hmm. fear, what's or, going or, on. Or injustice. Or injustice. Yeah. But, okay. but, but Jesus speaks to us in the times of trouble. And he, he says, says, it mm -hmm. is I, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So if, if you're tuning in, when you get a word from the Lord, and maybe it's a scripture that just like they say, you know, say jumps out at you. Or, or uh, just, uh, mm -hmm. just the spirit of God speaks to you, in, in that still small voice, and it's just the right word, just the right mm -hmm. thing. There's, there's great, great comfort there. And grace. Yeah. I think grace is a good word. He says here, "Be of good cheer. It's okay. It is I." So when he's saying it is I, I'm here. He's basically saying to them, "I'm bigger than this storm. I got mm -hmm. this. I'm. It's okay. I've. I'll, it's like, it's like, um, if you are being uh, attacked by a vicious Rottweiler and um, it was showing its teeth and it was about ready to take a chunk out of you and you couldn't run and you were trapped up against the fence or the whatever and this dog is just ready to just kill you and up comes the master of the dog and the, and the master says Rover come over here you know Fido stop whatever <laughs> and, and it's, the, it's the end of the deal the, the dog shuts right up goes to his master so Jesus is the master over this tempest just like that raging dog. And, and so he said, it's I. Do right. not be afraid. Right. Psalm 89, 8 and 9 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Mm -hmm. Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. And when its waves arise, you still them. Now, there's another part of this that we don't see in the book of Mark. We have to go to the book of Matthew to see another part of this story, this same story. Um, so, and in, in, uh, where it talks about, um, right after Jesus said, be of good cheer as I do not be afraid, Peter speaks up, okay? In Matthew 14, 28, Peter answered him, said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come, out, come to you on the water. Now, that, to me, it's it's kind of a dumb thing to say, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, if it's really you, 
I, I mean, well, you've you've you actually have tested the Lord here by, really by asking Him to prove to you that He's God by getting you to do something impossible. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and see if the Lord will save you. People all say, "Well, Peter walked on the water, and then he walked on the water till he got scared, and then he began to right. something." I don't think Peter would have had to walk on the water at all if he would have stopped and and realized, "I'm in the boat. I'm okay. God's right there. He's got me. I don't need to give God some big command." Uh, put God in a difficult place, you know, because well, well, to get me to walk on this water to prove he's God. He already is God, you know well, what I'm well, saying? Well, Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I now, don't know if that's the story. this is the midst of the storm in the dark. Is this the same story? It's you think? the same story. Oh, it is? Really? You think yeah. so? Okay, well, so then everybody's throwing a little different um, no, moment it, or, or it, part it, of the story together. Yeah, every, yeah. yeah. And that's the way it is with the Gospels. They're yeah. not contradictory. You have to kind of read them all together. And Mark just kind of... Forgot that part about Peter yeah, jumping out of the boat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Matthew's got it here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw the... Peter saw the wind was boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him mm-hmm. and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, mm-hmm. why did you doubt? Right. And when, so then, he, yeah. when they got into the boat, then the wind ceased. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is really yeah, accommodating Peter's yeah, really kind of a freak out moment. Kind of, a, <laughs> kind of really a stupid thing to say, yeah. really. I mm-hmm. mean, if it's really you, I'm going to. Well, he proved that it was really him. He kind of... Well, again, it goes back to that same temptation that Satan gave Jesus, jumped mm-hmm. down off the pinnacle of the temple. If yeah. you're God, Jesus, if you're God, and I don't think Peter was even intending to prove at that moment that Jesus was God to himself. He was no. just simply, I think he was freaking out, and and I don't know. Peter always was kind of impetuous, yeah, or impulsive. Really, yeah. And so, I don't know, he was... But, but God let him walk in the water for a minute, a second, or whatever... And then when he looked back at the water and realized, ah, reality is I can't do this, then Peter began to sink. And so the Lord caught him up and they were in the boat. But but it's interesting that some of us stay in the boat, some of us jump out of the boat. Yeah, but Peter, you know, people always bring this story out and saying, oh, well, yeah, he sank, he got afraid and he sank. But he actually walked on the water, which there's two people in the world that we know of that have ever walked on water, and that was Jesus and Peter. And Peter didn't do it very long. But he didn't do it very long. And he only did it in the presence of Jesus. So Yeah. And he only did it because Jesus was being patient with him at that moment and kind of humoring him, if you will, in a way it wasn't humorous. But um, but anyway, but going back, keeping on going, and then he went, they went up, this is then he went up into the boat, but actually they went up into the boat. Right. Uh, and the wind ceased, and they were uh, at the land. They were all greatly amazed, but going back here, they were amazed um, in themselves beyond measure and marveled. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now, I found a verse very interesting. Their heart was hardened. They didn't understand about the loaves. And they put that right here at the end of this. So this is really the end of the story of the loaves and fishes right here, that their hearts were hardened because they hadn't gotten it. Well, back in Jeremiah there's an interesting verse in um, Jeremiah 5, starting with verse 20. And God is, Jeremiah is talking to the house of Jacob and Israel, which, of course, these were descendants of those guys. Uh, and he says, declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in, the ho- in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as the bounds of the sea, a perpetual decree that it cannot pass by it? And through it, and, and though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people is a defiant and rebellious heart. This people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives rain to both the former and the latter in its seasons. So he's saying, I've got the sand on the seashore. I've got the sea. I've got the water. I've got the tempest. I've got all taken care of. And you're, you're blind. He, heart, he says their hearts, um, having eyes they do not see, ears they do not hear. 
They were not comprehending at all the dimension, the spiritual miraculous dimension that they had just been in. They had stepped into another dimension in this miraculous multiplying of the loaves and fishes. They had stepped into a spiritual dimension and they did not comprehend it. Or when they stepped out of it, they forgot it. Something happened where they were not able to maintain that kind of faith, that that kind of uh, confidence. So their hearts were still taking over. The fear of the Lord had, had been overtaken by fear of what's going to happen. Um, and God is saying, I place the sand. I've got the sea. The, the, the waves tossed to and fro. Um, they roar. Um, but this people is defiant and has rebellious heart. They've revolted and departed. Um, they do not say in their heart, now let us fear the Lord. So again, the hardness of heart was their fear was not the awe or the the fear of God, even though they marveled, I think here they're in this place where they're uh, they mar- beyond measure and marvel. They were amazed because it, this was so new to them. Everything was just ordinary, everyday, you know, mm-hmm. s- s- walking on dirt roads and and you know grinding out your wheat. It wasn't anything um, it was spectacular. Way, this way is out of the, way out of the paradigm that they've been living in their whole life. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and you know, yeah. it's kind of like, and, and yet. It, I was thinking about this too. Jesus here is kind of like a superhero. I mean, it's like uh, Spider-Man or Batman or let's see, Spider-Man, Superman. Superman, I think. Superman is a good good example. Superman's an ordinary guy walking on the street, doing his job, blah, blah, blah. But when danger comes, he steps into another dimension. He has a superpower to, you know, save people and dive through the air and, you know, know what's going on, hear hear what's going on everywhere in the world, et cetera, et cetera. I think actually Superman is some sort of a, parable in a way but so jesus he's this ordinary guy think about it. every day they work with him they walk with him they eat with them they walk on the roads with them they, they they pal around with them he teaches them awesome things but now he's taking on he's going to this mode of superpower you know where the he puts on his suit and he's going through the air and he's walking on the water and it's like we in our movies in our movie world have no problem with superheroes who are ordinary-looking mm-hmm. people and do their God things. So God was using his, Jesus was using his God powers right here. I mean, he had a lot of human powers he was using a lot of times. Walking on the water was not one of them. That was one of his God powers. Multiplying bread was a God power. And so he was kind of flexing back and forth between the two, and they were saying, well, who are you anyway? And so it's, it's like verse 52 there again. For they had not understood... Because they marveled. You think, wow, they were amazed. There's nothing wrong with their amazement. They're like, wow, look at, wow, we, wow amazed. But they didn't know what to do with it. They had to know, but for they didn't, had not understood about the loaves because, because their, their hearts heart was were hardened. hardened. No, the thing is, what. That's with loaves, us. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really. The loaves demonstrated. It, the apostles, if they would have understood about. The the power what was of behind Jesus the, over the multiplying nature, yeah mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been so amazed that the Jesus was walking on the water right and that the wind stopped at his word so their hearts yet had not really cap- been captured or uh, received the revelation and I think that's true for us too we have so right. you know we we're walking so much in our old carnal nature or so much in our reasoning which is not God well, in the ways of the of the present world right the world system yeah. yeah and we don't even realize it because God is asking you know what he asks us to do the impossible go heal the sick don't try to do it just go do it mm-hmm. you know f- you know cleanse cleanse the lepers don't just try go do it it was absolutely was this unreasonable of him to ask well it was if you only have human powers and the hearts were hardened and and the original word there in the greek language for hardened means well it means hardened but it also means uh, that they were like rebellious that's what it says over here in Jeremiah. They were rebellious. They were rebellious. Uh, and, the, and in Ezekiel, I think it says, having eyes they do not see, having ears they do not hear, because they are a rebellious house. So rebellion, um, which means the, the, the lie underneath rebellion is, um, it's up to me. I got to do it myself. And I think that's where we all come from. We all start with that survival mode of I've got to do it myself. And so um, rebellion uh, is, is the antithesis of trusting in God. Right, exactly. Because <clears throat> a hardened heart, is a heart that doesn't comprehend the power 
and true nature of Jesus because Christ. Because he's still af- afraid to let go, afraid mm-hmm. to let go of the control, afraid to, tr- to, to, to be and trust God. Although the good news is that we're made by God to trust God, and we're made by God to walk in that dimension of the Spirit. And so actually what Jesus is telling us to do, go heal uh, the sick, is part of our divine nature. It is part of being uh, as uh, you know the ambassadors of God, the uh, the, the disciple makers, uh, to go and preach, and it's He works through us. He works His miracle powers through us, and it's not about us. It's not about our being super spiritual or being perfect or having no sin. It's really about our our willingness to allow God to work through us and and being okay with that, being okay with you know living in that other dimension of the supernatural. And I think for most of us, we think it's spiritually supernatural just to live in peace in this crazy world, and that's pretty supernaturally powerful. But he's asking us to go even deeper and live in a place of actually doing some action. Like he was doing greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. And uh, that only happens, Paul says, you don't get that by the works of the law. You get that by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so walking in the Spirit is where we're called to be and abide, not in trying to be good and, and keep our, you know, our religious act together so no one can find any fault with us and we're, we're perfect in their eyes. Our, our, it's, it's not about their judgment of us at all. It's about dying to that and living and being, you know, in him I live and move and have my being. Um, and so the, the disciples are not there yet, obviously, but they're getting there. They're getting there. It says in verse 53, when they had crossed over, mm-hmm. they came into the land of Gennesaret. See, the Sea of Galilee is another name for it, is the Lake of Gennesaret. Yeah. And anchored there. And John, in chapter 6, verse 21, in the, the parallel account, it says, when the wind stopped, it says immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So there's mm-hmm. another miracle. So instead of being in the middle of the Mess. All of a sudden, it's over. And all of a sudden, they're there. It's done. Hallelujah. So You're out of it. Suddenly. The Lord got it, turned that rowboat into a speedboat, mm-hmm. and they got over there. They translated them, I think. Yeah, I think that was part of it. And and there, in verse yeah. 54, when they came out of the boat, mm-hmm. immediately, this this is one of the great verses of, this is the um, uh, <laughs> the present generation book, the book of yeah. Mark, because it's immediately. We want... Everything we went, now. Everything, everything's got to be now on the mm-hmm. computer and the uh, iPad. That's why I tell people to start their Bible studies with the Immediately, book of Mark. immediately. The people recognized him. So mm-hmm. they're right there waiting for him. Yeah. Right there early in the morning mm-hmm. and ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick and wherever they ha- heard he was. They so didn't get on their cell phones. They couldn't call one another up, you know, but they got the word out. They had little runners. Maybe they sent the kids to go tell because yeah, they ran faster. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. could be. <laughs> and it says, wherever he entered into villages, uh, cities, or mm-hmm. the, con- the country, all mm-hmm. over the place, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Yeah, go get, I can just see it. I can them. just see the guy saying to their kid, "Go get grandma. Go, go have them bring grandma. She's been sick for in her invalid state for what? Go get blah blah blah." And so they. This was just another big day uh, on the Sea of Galilee on the on the other side of the shore. Um, so obviously, if they weren't uh, getting anything else out of this. They were getting some good breaks, some good healings for their lives, some good hope to bring back their health or bring back uh, some sort of hope. And I, I think at the same time, God was Jesus was mixing the miracles and the, the prizes, if you will, with the teaching. And so they were. It was a kind of a nice combination of he was feeding them the word of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom of God. At the same time, he was meeting compassionately, meeting their their real immediate needs. Right, so right, right. He he was he was feeding so, them, providing for their <coughs> physical needs, healing loving their bodies, giving them but hope. But he he's more interested. He he wanted the people to recognize him not just as a um, a guy who gives them food. Mm-hmm. Or, or a guy who is there to heal them, but, but he is, but, yeah. That he's he's there. That's that's part of the gospel. That's mm-hmm. a very important part of the yeah, gospel. Because our bodies are part of the gospel, body, soul, and spirit. So we have needs in all so, three so dimensions. Like you said it, it's really like a complete package because he was, and says in the early part of his ministry, he went out and and preaching and teaching uh, the kingdom of God. 
Um, and part of the kingdom of God is the healing. Yeah. The healing. Praise God. The provision. But, but mainly learning about his ways. Um, you know, he said one, at one point to the people, he said, you don't seek me for who I am. You just because you mm. ate of the bread and yeah. you were, and you, you, I'm just not the bread guy. Yeah. I, I am the bread of life. Amen. I'm the bread of life. And so f- that's great. So Father God, we thank you. You are the bread of life. Jesus, that was where you were going with the whole point was to get them to understand that you are not only the the physical bread, or it can make that for us, but you're also the bread of life, the very thing that sustains us spiritually and uh, uh, physically as well. So, Lord, we thank you for your truth, for your being with us, for showing us these things, for letting these things happen so that we could see who you were, and for giving us uh, the understanding through the men, the disciples, the, the apostles, for the reflecting uh, of those, how they grew, how they lived and died and believed and you changed their hearts and I thank you Lord that by the time you get done with them they were willing to die for you and so I pray today that you'd bless our hearts with things out of this discussion that would encourage each of us to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might Lord God and that your compassion would deliver us from those places where we've been stuck crushed trampled um, perplexed uh, but not destroyed the enemy cannot destroy us but Lord I pray that you deliver us for Jesus' sake and in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.